Blog Talk Radio. I wish I was superstitious. It must mean something. Anyway, a really quick little uh, intro, okay? You know how everyone is talking about how recruiting is going to change after the coronavirus? Well, here's my version of that, okay? Candidates, they'll want to work at home, but some companies are going to want them to come into the office. So recruiters will be trying to sell them. (laughs) on the commute right and this is how the conversation might go hey bill bill look it's not going to be dangerous at all only a certain number of people are going to be working on the site you know so there's going to be uh, social distancing everybody's going to wear a mask and gloves there's going to be hand sanitizer all over the place and look how old are you around 40 there's not much chance you're going to die, okay? You won't even know it if you get it. In fact, you probably had it already, you know, without even realizing it. And listen to this. You know, if you want to get ahead in your career, you've got to take some risks. And this is a fairly small risk. Look at those people over in Sweden. They're not scared, Right? Anyway, I don't know if anybody agree with me that that's the way things are going to work, okay? Uh, and no one ever comments on my introductions during the show anyway. But if you want to, feel free to disagree on Jerry. Jerry, what shows this? Jerry. The recruiting animal again okay because i noticed they've got those sounds and i can you know i i I, I, got the touch tone sounds now okay i can use it is this anyway okay don't talk if you're going to be on that crowd you called me jerry called me an hour ago we we had a good sound now that the show's on he sounds like he's talking in a garbage can shame on you and get on with the show, okay? Hey, everybody, I want to thank my sponsors, Tire Tool. Damn it. H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com, the super-duper sourcing tool. Hey, everybody loves it. If they talk about sourcing tools and contact finders on Facebook, people are always praising Hire Tool. Hone it, H-O-N-E-I-T. Dot com, the online interview recording technology. You uh, have your whole interview recorded in audio, now with video as well. Provides a, a, a searchable transcript. Uh, you can create little clips uh, of the, the key questions. It's, it's fantastic. Hone it. And finally, PCRecruiter.net. The super, <laughs> not the super duper recruiting software, the Swiss Army Knife of recruiting software. If you are a recruiter of any sort, PC Recruiter loves you. Don't you forget it. Okay, Jerry, have you worked out your problem yet before I introduce the guest? Uh, maybe Jerry's gone, okay? Uh, oh, he's back again. Dummy. You're, you're, okay, I'm opening you up. Okay, okay. There, okay, okay, how's this? No, yeah, just good. wait a minute. You can't have a good show unless we sort out these tech issues on your end. How do I sound? You sound okay. Okay. 
settled. A little less attitude would be appreciated next time. Go <laughs> ahead. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Wilson Cole, what a cool name. Wilson Cole. I usually don't say anything Man, cool. Smooth. I don't like that adjective. Our guest today is Wilson Cole. Wilson, well, are you there? How are you guys doing? Uh, okay, where you, you've got a nice accent. Where are you from? I am ba- I'm, I've been in Atlanta for the last 32 years, but I am originally from the coast of, uh, uh, of Alabama, down in Mobile in the Pensacola area. So it's kind of a, a hybrid accent between there and Atlanta. But I've been in Atlanta mm-hmm. 32 years. Okay. Your company is called, and there's a trick in here, Adams, Evans, and Ross. And Evans is spelt in a way that no one would ever guess. It's E-V-E-N-S. Why do you make yeah. Pardon me? Nope. That's not how you spell Evans. Evans is E-V-A-N-S. Everybody knows it, okay? Yep. I I so. agree, but there were some uh there was a law firm based out of Atlanta that had an Okay, Evans, I don't want to hear the story. Uh, I don't I don't want to hear it. Okay. Oh god, I don't want to hear it. Okay. And I'm wow. your uh, <laughs> your Twitter your Twitter address is A E R Collections. At AER yes. Collections, and uh, you're a, a collection agency exclusively for recruiters. Before we get into that, has anyone ever told you that you look like Fonzie? You know that happened to me probably about two or three years ago, and my wife looked at me. She says, "Oh my God, you're absolutely right." So, who whoever knew that I would look like the aging Fonz at, at, at some point? But I'll take whatever I can get. Okay, but he, you know, maybe around 1976, he must have been one of the most popular people in North America. Okay, so uh, I don't know. Did it didn't pay off for you back then? It sounds like no, yeah. it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. Okay, here's what you say. Our mission is simple: to collect past due staffing and recruiting debt for our clients. This is the only type of debt. We collect. That's interesting, uh, I would say, yes. on how you got into that, but uh, I, 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 I won't do it right now. The, is the best, you've got a few websites. Is staffingdebt.com the best one if people want to find out about you? Which, which is the, be- the best website? The, the best on the, because cl- there's, there's technically three companies. Primary company is Adams, Evans, and Ross, which is the, the credit and collections. And yeah, that's let's not get debt. into that. Uh, people don't want to hear a long intro. Okay, I asked you a simple question. Well, I, you I, don't I, want to answer it. Uh, yeah, staffingdebt.com or backdoorhires.com. Either one of backdoorhires.com. I love that, yeah. man. We got to hear all about that. Okay. Sure. Uh, so, so uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Is there anything special about collecting recruiting fees as opposed to any other kind of collection? Absolutely, it's typically going to be more. It's going to be more uh, disputed uh, in a lot of cases because they have roughly about nine different, ten different excuses that they'll always use. They'll say, "Hey, we know about we knew about the candidate, or the candidate contacted us on our own, or you know the uh, candidate fell off after sixty days, and you have a ninety day guarantee." But you know, typically, if they don't pay within that first uh, thirty days, then the guarantee is void. So it's it's much more disputed in a, is a, in a general rule, and it's typically much more contractual-based type of collections. Uh, about half of our clients. Okay, so hold on. Let me take you. Let's start. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're a good speaker, sure. but you're a bit wordy. Okay, so I'm going to guide okay. you. Okay, please so do. You you have a video, uh, and you say that in Massachusetts. I don't know if it's still the same as when that video was recorded. In Massachusetts, if you don't have a signed contract. Uh, and they don't want to pay you, they don't have to pay you. But everywhere else, uh, you know, the emails and and other circumstantial evidence of your transactions, that would would work. Uh, uh, Is that right? So I just want to find out how important the, the, the contract is. The contract's always going to be important. In Massachusetts, their Supreme Court ruled about 15, 20 years ago, if you don't have a signed contract, they can bring that up as a defense, and it will it will get kicked out of court. Uh, other states have different varying degrees of that. Uh, we still collect in, in all of the states, even Massachusetts, without a signed contract, 
But if they bring it up as a defense, if we have it litigated, then it becomes a problem. Another issue talking about weird states and in, in, in weird clauses, if you are not licensed as a recruiter in the state of New Jersey, you cannot use their court system. And uh, that sounds benign enough, but if you have somebody that doesn't pay in uh, New Jersey and you try to sue them and they know this clause is out there, then they can get your court uh, your case kicked out. And it doesn't matter if you have a signed contract or not. So there's just some kind of weird nuances. Okay. Now, do you advise people as to – like I see people on, on my Facebook group all the time saying, oh, oh, does anyone have a template for a contract that they can you know, show me? And I know Jerry has one on Jerry the Recruiter. Do you advise people about, uh, about contracts? Let me tell you what we to answer your question, we have a best practices contract that if anybody would like it, email me Wilson at AERcollections.com, my assistant to get it shot out to you. We have to walk a fine line. We cannot give you legal advice, even though I have attorneys on staff. In fact, the attorney that uh, on this best practices is, is one of my daughters, and she actually created the contract, but we cannot quote quote get legal advice. But we can give you best practices advice and we have a contract that has a lot of those collection safeguards that we like to see in it. And for any of your listeners, we'll get you a free copy of it. Cause okay, it's, they, they, it's, your... it's free. How, how come it's free? Well, that sounds like something that, you know, you could legitimately charge for. It's good advice. Why is it free? Because if anybody uses that contract and then they wind up having somebody not pay them, hopefully they'll remember us and they turn it over for collections and it will be much easier for us to collect it. If we have a, a contract that's signed with some of those safeguards versus a, kind of a handshake deal. So we'll make money on okay. the backside with the now, On one of your videos, you said specifically that if you don't put in uh, that, you know, uh, late fees are in and attorney fees if you have to sue them, uh, if, you, if that stuff's not in the contract, then they, they're, they're not going to have an easy time getting, getting like interest on their overdue uh, fee and things like that. So certain things have to be in there, although I don't know how important those things are. If it goes to litigation, it, uh, it's going to be a little easier because the courts can't award it. About a third of the time they will, a third of the time they won't, a third of the time they'll kind of meet somewhere there in between. But it is good to have that in there. A bigger issue that we like seeing in, in, in an agreement is if they hire the candidate for any position, and then uh, also if they hire them in any capacity, because one of the uh, big excuses that folks will, will use when it comes into collections is, well, we hired them for another position or we hired them as an independent contractor. And as soon as we hear that, we know that the debtor is trying to get out of paying a fee. And it's not even an economics issue at that point. It's a character issue. A character issue? What does that mean? Well, basically, most of the folks that come through here for collections are, are good folks. They're, they're good, good companies. They just they misjudge cash flow, uh, whether you know, if it was during the coronavirus or after the coronavirus or just at any point in the last 30 years, they wanted to do the right thing. But if somebody reaches over and steals your candidate, a lot of times it's not even economics. We'll have large companies, very profitable companies. Uh, come in here for collections that could easily pay the twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar placement fee, but they've opted not to. And in my opinion, the reason they don't do it is that they don't see the value in the recruiter in a lot of cases, or they're going to go ahead and just try to steal the candidate because they feel like they didn't sign anything or they have a loophole or something along those lines. And it's not economics based. They've, they've just made a, a decision that they're going to kind of. Okay. But walk, let's say somebody, let, no, no, let's say, let's say uh, I, I, I call somebody up. I, I send, uh, they've, they've got a job, job X. I send a candidate in there. They don't hire him or her. Six months later, I find out that the person's working in there. I call mm -hmm. him up, and they say, well, you know, uh, he applied on his own later on for a different job. Do I have a right to, to ask for money for that? Absolutely, absolutely, and here's the reason why, and this is why you have that 12-month possessory, or you should have that 12-month possessory clause in your agreement, is once you ID the candidate to or the uh, the uh, uh, candidate to the company, that's only part of the equation. You've also ID'd that company to the candidate, and what we see a lot of times is they go out and they look on LinkedIn and they see Steve that they worked. Uh, with five years ago, and then they try to get Steve to kind of backdoor hire in, or 
they get impatient with the recruiter and they go ahead and, and file, uh, you know, uh, on the, um, uh, you know, send a resume directly to the company through their portal or whatever. The whole nine yards started the procuring cause, the nexus that started that was the fact that you made that initial introduction of that candidate to that company. And that is specifically why you have that 12 month uh, possessory period. Okay. Uh, is Jerry still on the line? Yeah. Okay, uh, this is your specialty, the the, the possession of the candidate. Yeah, you got an expert. I, got, you got an expert. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know who we're talking to. He is okay. an expert. Here, okay. here's a question: What if my agreement says, and I, the agency, if I introduce the person to you that causes the interest, or however you want to phrase that, how does Another agency's agreement from, let's say, 11 and a half months ago, how does that agreement void or negate our agreement? Sure. Why does that company agreeing to pay somebody else for 12 months regardless, why does that remove their obligation to pay me for my service that they've also agreed to? And sure. furthermore, why should I as a recruiter – simply lay down and take it if oh you agreed to pay somebody else for that oh okay no problem good luck jerry that's a great great question and and you shouldn't lay down and, and take it you should dig a little deeper and here's the reason why because we have literally argued uh and had our attorneys argue both sides of that equation typically if somebody presented that candidate you know let's say 11 months ago and it didn't materialize and things on those lines and then all of a sudden you introduce your candidate if they pick up the phone and they say hey uh jerry uh, you just sent us this resume we already have him in in the file uh so this you know they do some type of name clearing procedure that you set that up with then it, it's going to be a little bit of a, a gray area but let's assume that you send over the candidate, the HR manager goes, oh, my goodness, this guy is wonderful. Let's go ahead and set up the interviews, and you you uh, uh, maneuver him through there. And whether you set up interviews or not, they accept that uh, that position. Then the argument very well could be that they owe you both. They owe you and that other previous recruiter because they have they have a fiduciary duty to inform you guys if if uh, that candidate is not uh, name cleared. Now, with name clearing, ten or fifteen years ago was a much bigger issue, and, and we started seeing some abuses on it. But typically, uh, if you present that candidate and that candidate goes through the process and they don't tell you within the first you know few hours 24 hours you've got an argument that you're owed and so does the other one and we have had uh companies that wound up having to pay both recruiters but well even even so and i appreciate your answer but even so isn't my service the act of me introducing the candidate isn't that the stimulus that begins whether there's a name check or whatever. The person was dormant in their system. My service is what created the interest and the discussion that renews the candidate. Why? Absolutely. Why should why should they be able to say, "Oh, we owe this other agency"? Still, it you know if uh, a lot of it's <clears> going <throat> to come down to how your contract reads. If you were working with a larger company and you're signing their agreement, they're going to typically have wording in there that would exclude you from that. If you're using your contract and it's vague on whether uh, you present them first, if there's anyone else, or if there's no name clearing, you're absolutely right. You're the procuring cause. I, I believe Mike Rody over at uh, uh, MRI will use the but for clause uh, a, a little bit more. I, I typically say procuring cause because you wore you wore that thing that sparked that interest, and so you very well could be okay. now. The the thing is, uh, the uh, one thing with dealing with attorneys, there's always shades of gray. Nothing is oh, going to yeah. be clear cut, but you still very well may be owed, and I agree with you. Okay, let me ask Great. a question related. Forget about the other agency. Let's say uh, Jerry presents the candidate. They do the name check in their uh, applicant tracking system. This person uh, applied for a job three years ago, and they say, oh, well, we already know this guy. But in this case, Jerry is a person who presented her 
for this specific position and generated the interest in, in that candidate. Uh, what's going to happen in a situation like that where, in fact, they did have – uh, well, there's no other agency, there's, so they won't have to pay a double fee in any case, but they had her in their records, but they weren't considering her for this. Uh, it, does Jerry have a good chance of getting paid? Absolutely, absolutely. That is the probably a third of the collections that we get in from recruiters, a third of the ones that, that we get in where that's the argument. And, and here, is, here is the defense to it is in the olden days, and, and I'm kind of giving up, giving up my age, and if, if you've got some of the uh, older recruiters on there, one of the comebacks that they would say is, well, you may know the candidate, but, or you have the candidate's name, but you, know, you had a phone book that had the candidate's name in there as well. You had no idea where to find it. Well, now with uh, applicant tracking systems, you can store the entire world in, in that particular uh, applicant tracking system the the issue is and this is what you want to address in the uh, agreement is if they are not actively being considered for a role typically if they had uh, talked to her or had gotten the name three or four weeks earlier had interviewed her within the last 60 days they could have those those shades of gray of defense but if it goes back three years ago they don't get uh, the same way you don't get, if you present somebody and they hire them in 10 years, you don't have a claim to say, hey, that was my candidate back in 2011. You owe me a fee. You just hired them. They, the, the inverse of that's correct is they don't get the claim possessory of that candidate for the rest of their life. Because we'll okay, likewise, then, if, has if you send in three, if, if, the, if Jerry sends in three candidates, they hire one, and then the next year, 13 months later, they hire one of the other ones. The recruiters utter the fee. I mean, even though the introduction was made through through that person, can't you can't claim that candidate forever? In other words, right? You can't claim it forever. But one of the things in that agreement that we were talking about is from the last discussion or presentation of the candidate. If you have that in the agreement, then every time that you discuss, because a lot of times we'll see contracts where it says, hey, first presentation. Well, if it's a longer hiring cycle, they, you know, you present them in January and then they stop the search in, you know, April or May and then pick it back up in December and hire them in February. In that scenario, you would be out of the fee. But if you have in there uh, that you're owed a fee uh, for 12 months from the last discussion, or presentation of that candidate, then technically you'd be owed a fee in that scenario because you would have just stopped talking to them in, in uh, May when you uh, when they put it on uh, put the search on hold. So there are some things to kind of extend that out. Can 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 I uh, just offer the reason why I don't include anything about a 12 month ownership clause? There is no ownership clause in the agreement that I use, and that's simply because I believe that once you put that 12-month clause in there, you are handing over access and free free service mm. upon that 12-month and one-day mm. period of time. I mean, that's what you're telling the customers. Hey, one year and one day, have at it. So it, I don't I absolutely don't like mention that. And I specifically state that it's really about, you know, my work, procuring cause, cause et cetera, and it's, it's suited me well over the years. Sure. What are your thoughts? And Jerry, that's that's where that great comes in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was that, Jerry? I mean, do you advise? Do you recommend a 12 month ownership clause? Let me do an ad before we get to the answer. Let me do an ad before we get to the answer. Hey, everybody. Hire tool. H I R E T U A L dot com. The super-duper sourcing tool, I'm just going to say very briefly that if you see a discussion about sourcing tools or uh, contact or email finders on Facebook, there's always tons of praise for higher tool in the comments. That's an absolute fact, and it's always from uh, well-recognized, highly respected recruiters. Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T dot com, the online interview recording technology. It records your interview in uh, two different forms or three different different forms if you want it. Audio, video, and always uh, a searchable transcript. The thing is you can also create 
small clips of key questions. You hear the candidate answering in his or her own voice, and if there's some excitement in that, pass it on to the hiring manager. She gets to hear it herself, okay? And in these virus times when there's not going to be any face-to-face, uh, that's especially good. And finally, PCRecruiter.net. There's different kinds of recruiting. There's staffing. We'll get to talk about that with our guest today. There's uh, direct hire, the executive search. PC Recruiter is good for all kinds of search. It is configurable. They don't tell you what to do with their software. You tell the software how to work best for you. And if you don't know how to do it, they'll support you in doing it because they love you. PCRecruiter.net. Over to you, Wilson Cole. You want to answer Jerry on that? Absolutely. Here's here's the issue if you don't put a 12-month possessory on it, is if there's ever a dispute, then it's going to come down to industry standard. And industry standard across the board is going to be, if you call 10 recruiters, you're going to probably have eight of them tell you, hey, I've got a 12-month possessory period. I've got, and then you're going to have one say, I have a six-month possessory period, and another one say, I have a two-year possessory period. So the argument's going to be uh, industry standard. But let's assume that you don't have that possessory period in there, and then let's assume that at that 11th month, if that candidate is hired by the company, but they have a written policy, maybe you signed it, maybe you didn't, but they have a a written policy that they only give a uh, six-month possessory issue. If this thing were to go to court, they start arguing, is it 12 months, is it 18 months? You're not going to get that candidate for the rest of your life. The issue that you run into is any gray area in a contract. If it's any area that it can be misunderstood, automatically is going to count against the person that wrote the contract. And so it winds up, you know, the, the few folks that you get that um, – that you wind up getting paid for that they hire at the 14 month mark uh, because it's outside that 12 period by, I think you're going to risk it uh, if you have a higher dispute. And if you use something that resets it every time that you talk to the candidate, now you can't put them or every time that you talk to the company about this particular candidate, I wouldn't set up a, a calendar to where every four months you call in and you mention the guy's name or send an email but just in the course of it, you're going to get a 12 to 24 month possessory mm-hmm. period because you have that clause in there that states, hey, if uh, we discuss or uh, this candidate, I'm protected 12 months from that discussion. And I always recommend recruiters are great talking on the phone. Most of them are pretty good about sending a follow-up email. I would always say send that follow-up email and mention that candidate by name. That way we have documentation if it runs into that 14- or 15-month issue. But not having a uh, possessory period in there could actually give you, from what we've seen with about 8,000 lawsuits, could actually give you the reverse effect of what you're trying to do, which is extend that possessory period. If you're dealing with a horrible client that's going to steal your candidate, uh, then they're going to probably start counting 12 months when you present them. But if you have that clause, and a lot of them we catch at that 16th month because and get them to pay it because that clause was in there. How do you catch them? Well, I'm, how do, you, how I'm, do people I'm find out about these? That- Okay, go I'm, ahead, I'm Jerry. also one of the recruiters that believes that you know, 16 months from now, I wouldn't have the balls to even think that anybody owed me a dime. I am mm-hmm. old school in that, but for my efforts, was, was the uh, foundation of my recruiting career for ever since I started in the 80s. So <laughs> I operate that way as well. And sure. that, that's just just my just my thought is i i'm i'm part of that but for crowd so it, I, and I, I agree I with you I, yeah. I agree with the intent and i understand what you're saying we ju- i've just seen too many debtors attorneys try to use the fact that there's not a possessory period in there to shave you from 12 months back to 6 months and that is the first yep. argument that they'll make mm. yep Okay, again, if someone wants to get your template for uh, a contract, how do they do that? Wilson at 
Wilson at AER, as in Adams, Evans, Ross, but AER Collections with an S at the end, dot com. And put contract in, in the uh, subject, and then what I'll do is uh, I'll have Janine shoot you over uh, an email with that uh, contract. And like I said, it's just a best practices contract. We can't give legal advice, but collection advice, I can tell you we'd be in much better position trying to collect on that than if you know, probably 80% of the contracts that we see. And a lot of things that recruiters will do, and, and Jerry, you probably saw this much more in the earlier days than you do now, but one of the, the major uh, franchises would put a, a uh, sentence in their contract that says acceptance of any resume means you agree to this contract. And in my opinion, that went also with our, our staff attorney's opinion, that was kind of a fallback position to where if you ever didn't get it signed, you could say, hey, but our second position is they agreed to it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of older recruiters, especially, and I say older, and, and I'm, I'm kind of seasoned uh, guy myself, but a lot of older recruiters won't get contracts signed because they have that in there. Problem is, is if you don't have a signed contract, you're not going to be able to get the additional safeguards. But also, if you have a choice of a signed contract or unsigned contract, we will always be able to get you more money with a signed contract. So having that wording in there um, that if they accept anything, they agree to the terms is almost like saying, well, my wife wouldn't sign the prenup, but the prenup that I showed her said, hey, if you marry me, you're agreeing to this prenup. You, you got to have ink to paper yep. for it to really be a thing. I'm with you there. And just to, just to clarify, I might, I might be a boomer recruiter. However, uh, You'll never see me introducing a candidate to anybody until they've signed our agreement. Outstanding. Outstanding. Anybody okay, cool. else got a question before I go on? Any, anybody else on the line want to ask anything? Michael G. Cox, uh, you got any questions for yourself? Well, we have, I had heard about a uh, situation recently when uh, it, due to COVID, the organization decided to pay a partial fee, one that they felt was more reasonable than what they had originally agreed to. Uh, are you seeing that type of a situation happening more often these days? You know, it, we're seeing that with any type of economic crisis, people and companies go into the survival mode. So we are seeing that. But it, there isn't uh, uh, a clause in there that says, hey, if, if uh, we hit an economic uh, downturn or a pandemic, then we're going to discount our fee by 50 percent. Um, you know, the question to the, the recruiter is, you know, is it something that I want to chase or, or, you know, is it an 80%, 75% fee? If they were to come to me, I'd say, yeah, it kind of sucks, but, uh, you may want to do it versus having to sue them. But if they're offering you a 20% fee or a, even a 50% fee, you're probably better off escalating whether you utilize us or your own attorney. Uh, but they don't get a get out a free or get a free discount just because there's an economic downturn. Everybody's going to have to live by the terms of that contract that they sign. Yeah. Michael G. Cox, any, anything else you want to add to that, or is that good enough for you? He doesn't want to say anything. Okay. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, many years ago. Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, I was muted. I was just going to say, I just, I, I was just curious as to whether or not he had seen that more often. Uh, we have, you know we what? have seen different variations. Yes. You said, yes. you said in your recent video that uh, for you, this is just turning into a, a typical recessionary period. And these are typical problems, as you said, uh, during tough economic times. Am I right about that? That That is it. You know, when the pandemic started, uh, you know, roughly, I, I was in Tampa at a, at a uh, NALTO, uh, NALTO uh, locum tenens uh, conference and uh, flew back in just where they shut all the airports down and then uh, all the craziness started. And I wasn't sure what collections, what recruiting, what staffing was going to look like, like everybody else. Um, two things happened over the last 60 days that amazed me, but in uh, but jumping ahead to where we are right now, as the country's starting to open up and as things are starting to move, uh, move forward, we always have two telltale signs that we see in a recession. And one of those telltale signs, uh, specifically on the recruiters, is we start seeing a huge surge in backdoor hires going into a recession. 
in a huge surge in backdoor hires as you go through an accelerated recovery. And in the last 10 days, we have seen more, uh, we, we've seen more backdoor hires either with our collection company or with the software company locating backdoor hires. We're seeing more uh, backdoor hires in the last 10 day uh, activity than we've seen since uh, pretty much the, the rest of the year. I mean, it just, How do you, just tell us about locating out. backdoor hires. How do you find, because one of your, your ads or, or statements I, I think mm-hmm. I read this morning was that uh, you can check uh, the LinkedIn profile of everybody you send out on a regular basis, but you're probably not going to do it. So you offer a much better system for checking backdoor hires. And if someone doesn't know what a backdoor hire is, you know, they see your candidate and they hire, they they go around you and and they hire that person uh, on their own. So how do you help recruiters detect these things? We launched our software backdoor hires about four years ago. Uh, And since then we've located 23 million bucks for, for our candidates. That's globally. Um, The, yeah, and it, it's it's been. Yeah, I, I was actually even surprised that we located that that much. But prior to us, um, Fee Catcher and I actually bought Fee Catcher's clients and assets when they when they closed down. But we knew that our software was going, or we assumed our software was going to be superior to theirs because theirs was very LinkedIn based. But we knew from a collection standpoint that if a company was going to backdoor hire your candidate, half the time they were going to tell the candidate, don't update your LinkedIn. So if you watch mm-hmm. LinkedIn religiously, and that's what a lot of recruiters do, you're going to find about you know, a third to half of the backdoor hires. But you're going to miss about half of them because they're never going to show up on LinkedIn because they're told not to. Our software goes out and it hits 185 data points. It's going to run you know, uh, 72 variations of what somebody's email address should be and uh, reverse search it. It's going to go out and crawl their website. It's going to go out and hit, you know, data tags. On uh, Friday, we found six backdoor hires. We found it five different ways. One of them, we found it where it was meet the team at their website. The guy standing there almost mm. holding the sign on check. Another one we found mm. where we found a live email address. A third one we found where they were speaking at an industry event and there was some you know, data tag or a URL um, mm. where it was mentioned. We found a doctor that wasn't listed on their website, but it was, you know, find a, you know, dermatologist in Austin or, or whatever, one of those kind of referral sites. We located yeah. them there. We found another one on LinkedIn. We found another one on Facebook. And so it goes out and crawls the web. And I, I don't want to turn this job. into a, 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 a commercial for that, but if you check their website, if you uh, go out and Google and, uh, and check uh, you know, LinkedIn, you're going to spend about 20 hours or have somebody spend 20 hours uh, uh, a month locating it. You'll probably find about a 65 70% of them. The problem is once – and this was what shocked me when we launched this uh, software is once our clients, even the ones that are paying for our service – that we find a backdoor hire, they say, well, they say they already knew the candidate or they hired somebody else. Mm-hmm. We have to educate the client that they're actually owed. You know, John Guidi, which was the uh, guy that started Fee Catcher, which was actually the predecessor, you know, we were competitors there for a while, but John's also been a client of ours. Um, he and I did a webinar and it was the billion dollar problem that you didn't, that recruiters don't realize they have. Everybody agrees backdoor hires happen, but most recruiters don't think that it happens to them. I can tell okay, you. Okay, hold on. Let me, after, let me, well, hold on. So what's your service? Is it sure. a subscription that uh, a recruiter would pay for on an ongoing basis? How does it work? Sure. Uh, if it's a single desk, less searching less than a, a thousand candidates a year, it's sixty-seven bucks a month and a fifteen percent finder's fee. If they get paid on what we find, if they don't get paid, then they don't owe us a dime, or they can turn it over. And how to far just back? How far place. back? How far back will it? 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 Uh, like? How, how does it work? Does, does, uh, does sure. uh, the the your client like the recruiter go to your site and enter the name of of every candidate? Uh, who sent out every resume that's sent out and 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 your your software monitors that person's name or contact information online what's going on there exactly uh, perfect example one of your advertisers and i know bill kubacek very well it has a great product with pcr 
PCR has what they call a send-outs report to where with any new client that were to sign up, they would uh, we'd say, hey, get a send-outs report for the last two years. And so it exports in an Excel or a CSV. Uh, you can either just upload it from your dashboard or email it to us. We load it into the system or you load it directly into the system, but it's just you know, drag and drop uh, that export. And it will go out and it starts searching those 185 data points every week and it continues to dig deeper and deeper. Once a month, you'll send your new send out reports for everybody else. And over 18 months, we search at the end of 18 months, uh, the uh, stuff auto destroys. And so um, that way, you know, the reason we asked for two years initially is there may be somebody that you had presented two years ago, but they hired them six months after you presented them and they've been working there ever since and you had no idea they were there. So we'll see if, if we find a bunch of backdoor hires we may come back and say, hey, go ahead and give us that third year. Once you start getting beyond the third year, you start running into stats of limitations in most states to where you give up your right to go after it's no longer a valid debt once you start hitting four and five years. Uh-huh. And if, if the candidate goes, uh, let's say a uh, recruiter sends out a candidate, uh, a, he or she comes in second, let's say, and is not chosen, but it really is interested in that company and maintains contact every month or two with an email just touching base, I'm still interested in you, with the hiring manager, it's a personal contact, and uh, eventually they they bring that person in again and and hire. So when you go after them, would they say, look, we didn't hire, we didn't go after this person, they they pursued us, okay? Is that a typical um, excuse? Oh, absolutely. Or uh, that's if they're going to fight it. But we find half of them, once our system finds it, uh, we never have contact with the candidate or, or the, the company. Our clients just get notified via email that says, hey, check your dashboard. And so let's say you see that that candidate's there. When you call the company and they do some research and you show them where you presented that candidate, half of them are going to go, you know what? Left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. We're sorry. We're cutting you a check. And uh, we had, uh, in the month of April, there were uh, 10 clients that are probably 50 grand each on average better off because we were able to find those candidates and they were able to get paid uh, because half of them are going to pay when you bring it to their attention. If they don't pay, then you're absolutely right. That's going to be one of the arguments that they make of, well, they contacted us on our own, and that's where that signed agreement that basically says, hey, if you hire this candidate within 12 months of the last presentation, you owe us a fee. Because a lot of times, uh, and this is where if you're working on a split and you supplied the candidate that uh, uh, the other candidate had a, a, a job, I always recommend tracking backdoor hires, not because, you know, and that's one thing that I love about the recruiting industry is it's, it's a handshake industry and everybody is straightforward and honest, but you may have a recruiter that doesn't contain the client as well as you would. And your candidate winds up getting hired and, you know, that other recruiters moved on to the, uh, to, to another uh, position that okay. they're trying yeah, to Yeah. There are also company. cases, uh, everybody's not so nice. And we've got a, an ongoing story in this show of, of someone who uh, had a split partner and the split partner didn't want to pay up. Let's come back to that in a second. I'll do a very brief ad. You just heard our guest, who sounds very respectable to me, okay? He endorsed one of our sponsors, PCRecruiter.net, the Swiss Army knife of recruiting software. Hire tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L, the super-duper sourcing tool. I am not kidding. If there's a discussion of sourcing tools, and there are all the time on Facebook discussion groups, Hire Tool is going to be highly endorsed by highly respectable recruiters. There's other good products out there, yeah, but Hire Tool is definitely one of them. And finally, Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T.com. I don't know of any competition for them. The online interview recording technology. Okay. Uh, what did I say I was going to ask you about? Oh, yeah, split fee. Well, there's. A, hold on. One other thing before I get to these split fee uh, cheaters, um, I think you had a, you have a, an issue like when someone's cheating you, when you know they're cheating you, uh, stop talking. You say stop talking to them. But what? But what yes. about? 
Uh, yeah, and you give a case of uh, where the recruiter who was cheated started bad-mouthing this client and overdid it and got sued for, for slander. What if, aside from the slander, <laughs> what if you go onto your blog or social media and you start telling people just the exact provable truth about this client? You say, look, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't pay me, I'm going to let everybody know about your company, and it is going to be searchable on Google, okay? Is that a legitimate threat if you've got a, a, a social media profile? You know, I've never seen anything good happen from that because let's assume if you share with a, an uninterested third party, their attorney uh, is going to wind up – uh, if they choose to hire an attorney, it, it, you're exposed. They could come in and uh, try to sue for uh, uh, you know, damages and things on those lines. The example that you mentioned was we had a client that had a dispute. And I don't think it was with another recruiter. It was with a company or something along those lines, but the dynamics would be the same. And he went out and said, this, these guys are horrible. Here's where they didn't pay me. They've never paid anybody in their life. Well, the client, and, and this debtor was bad. They were probably one of the worst debtors that I'd ever seen. But when he said they hadn't paid anybody in their life, they found literally one, one company that they did pay within term. And so that made that not a factual statement. And it was miserable for him. I mean, he got sued, wound up having to settle, stroke a check. And uh, not to mention the attorney's fees. So um, what we find is if somebody goes out with the – and the attorneys, I'll let them argue about it because I can tell you about collections and backdoor hires. But what we've seen is whenever you share uh, with other folks or third parties that weren't part of that deal, uh, then the attorneys can come back and, and try to – Try, try to sue for whatever angle they can and win or lose. You're still going to wind up spending money on attorney's fees, which is never fun. Anybody got a question? Anybody else want to talk? I've got go a ahead. question. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got to go ahead. Just hold on, man. Let me catch hold my on, breath. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a professional here and that's not you. Ooh. Okay. So Wilson. <laughs> yes, sir. A recruiter calls you up, says, man, I need your help. We've got a company. Uh, they owe me a fee. They're skipping out, what have you. What is the checklist of stuff that you're going to look at right away to see yeah. if you can put this together or not? I mean, do you start sure. with, well, yeah, what's your checklist? What well, do I need first, to know? First, what do I need to have for me to say, yeah, you can go get my money? Sure. First thing I'm going to ask is, okay, do you have a signed contract? And about half of our clients are going to say yes, half of our clients are going to say no. I'm going to say, okay, wow. do you have where you presented the candidate to the company? And you know, is there an email or something along those lines? Or is there an email where you ID'd the company to the candidate? Because we had a situation where one of our clients just last week where he had talked to the uh, candidate before he could present him. The candidate got over anxious and uh, – started you know contacting the company and so they tried to claim that so we had that email and we did get that one resolved but basically the paper trail and there's typically about eight different scenarios that we typically see when it comes with recruiter why they're not getting paid and so as we're talking in depth about this specific case then it starts becoming clear you know that we'll be able to help you or not but i'd say 90 percent of the time 95 percent of the time we'd be able to help where we, where I cringe is where a recruiter calls me and they say, Hey, Wilson, you know, every, you know, we have this issue and they go through this whole reason on why they're owed and they're owed without a doubt they're owed. Then they say, but you know, I told them that, you know, we'd waive this fee if they'd give me additional searches oh. and they, they said they would, they never did. So I want to go after our fee. At that point, they just shot a perfectly good collection in the head. Once you start making these side agreements, it builds a defense for them to get out of it. That's why we say when they, when they say they're not going to pay you, just stop all communication. We don't have salespeople talk to recruiters that call in. If you were to call us, either you're going to talk to me personally 
or you're going to talk to one of our staff. Let me, let me, in, hold on, let me just sure. do a little ad for you there. From what you said in your literature, you said, look, I will talk to you personally for half an hour to see if you really need our services. And so the implication there was that you are not a, a hard sell uh, organization. Oh. Am I, am no. I right about that? Oh, absolutely. And if anybody, if anybody, which there's about 3,000 staffing and recruiting firms that have used us over the years, have talked to us, they'll know, you know, typically about, you know, 30% of the time we'll say, hey, go ahead and give them a final demand, tell them this, and then see if they pay you. Go ahead and draw that line in the sand. Not all answers are, you know what, turn it over to us for collections, because there's, there's going to be reasons, or they may have gotten, you know, had that conversation with me before they're actually ready to turn it over. Um, and so, but if you have a, uh, if you can go to our website, book a, a meeting with me, and that's 90% of my job is to, to talk with new clients and things on those lines. If I'm not available, then you'll get passed to one of our attorneys. You never get passed to a sales rep for two reasons. Number one, I don't want you to feel like you're buying a timeshare, but number two, we've seen so many cases that have been damaged because they they didn't either talk to us or one of our attorneys and we say hey if you're going to draw the line then draw the line this way but don't do this jerry was there anything else you wanted to ask on that i got a question uh no okay somebody no, else wants to talk moved on to a new subject so okay sorry you'll hey, come wilson. back somebody else has a no. question go ahead yeah. no problem. hey wilson alan here um so you yeah. made a comment i'm curious about where you said agreement in place, and you said 50% of the time there's still something. Can you, can you dive into that a little deeper? Because um, my opinion, and I'm in an, I've been in an agency, I'm internal uh, mm-hmm. now, and my whole thing is, um, and I tell people, don't send me anything. We don't have an agreement. At sure. what point do you, because listening to you, I'm wondering, is it if they've built a relationship, if they've had back and forth with that client, that company, then there's an implication of the relationship and an agreement. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'd be curious about that. It, in, in th- this is a great question because what we see, and these are the ones that we wouldn't be able to help. Let's assume that a recruiter just sends an unsolicited resume. There's no discussion of fee. They either send right. a blind email or they send a blind email where maybe the name's uh, extracted, but yeah. a decent recruiter can look at it and go, you know what, this is Joe Smith, and, and find yeah. it. If there is no agreement and they sent that blind uh, resume and the recruiter on the other side was good enough to figure out who it was, there isn't a fee because there was never a meeting of the minds. But let's assume that that uh, recruiter calls you and says, hey, I got a candidate uh, and I, I want to present them. And you say, well, we're really not using re- outside recruiters, but you, know, you can send it right. to me. Well, the second that you say that you can send it to me, our, even though there's not a, 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 a assigned agreement, our argument's going to be unjust uh, enrichment because if they send you, if you're dealing with a recruiter and you accept that resume, you know that that recruiter is expecting to be paid. Um, and so that would be our, our argument there. Or if there's a discussion of fee somewhere along those lines, go ahead and send me over the, uh, uh, the agreement and we'll take a look at it. And yeah, go ahead and send me over a few resumes. If you request those resumes, more than likely, once you know, if, if we didn't get you to agree, we would elevate up to your legal department, and the sure. attorneys would say, you know, we've got we we've got reason to believe that there could be some exposure, and it's typically settled. But the recruiters that send out the blind resumes absolutely drive us nuts. And if somebody's just you know, because we'll run into that, and a lot of times we'll tell them we can't help them on that. I'd say 99.9 yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I was, I've been doing this way too long. So I just was kind of curious if something had changed. <laughs> no, we talked about that and, before, Alan. This recruiter, com, And he said, and you told us sometimes, you know, if someone sends you something, uh, uh, a resume unsolicited, you consider it uh, open season on that, uh, on, on that person. Am I right? And then, yeah. And a, I have a really quick, odd question, Animal, if it's okay, is sure. from between, between um, between a, recruiters dealing with a hiring company and recruiters doing splits, I'm just kind of curious. Do you have an opinion which ones cause you more headaches? Because if if I'm doing a split, I want an, I want at least an email agreement in place. Oh, and my last question is, I've heard for many years that an email 
agreement is as enforceable as a wet signature? Yes, or was that already answered? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, to answer that, for the most part, there's a meeting of the minds, and and that is yeah. part of it. Of of there that that was a, and our attorneys have argued that is a digital signature. It's a little bit of a gray area, but it's an acknowledgement that a fee is owed. I can tell okay. you, if you're taking a look at collections or you're taking a look at splits, uh, end user companies are always going to be. Uh, we get in a hundred and you know. I'd say 200 collections uh, against a company before we ever see a split, because if a recruiter's not playing on a split, uh, they typically are typically on their way out. And that that's a cardinal sin. And you know, not say that we don't get it in. And if we run into a company, we've had a client that was turned over on the split. And right. I always call the client and say, look, I can't handle this as a collection because we've you know, handled your collections before, but I'll have to refer it over to an attorney and I don't want to see that happen to either one of you guys. Let's put our heads together and find a payout. And most of the time it's like, you know, Wilson, you know, in that particular case, his wife had been sick, his production had fallen. And we set up a, a six-month payout, got both parties paid. But okay. it, it's rare that somebody doesn't get paid on a split because the second somebody gets that reputation and everybody on this call knows it much better than I do, nobody's going to deal with it. Uh-huh. You know what? Yeah, I think you should Following actually... up on that, wait a sec. Uh, with regards to what Michael no, G. Cox said before, okay, you warn people that during this virus time, uh, when things are a bit uh, tough, companies are going to ask you uh, to extend the payment time, and you say absolutely don't do that. Like you know, they might be due to pay you now, June first. They'll say wait to September. You say don't do it. Is it, that, am I right about that? Don't do that for a number of reasons. Number one is September will roll around. They'll be in worse shape than they are now. The other argument is you've modified the agreement, and their attorney will now use your extending the terms to that that was a different agreement, so the agreement that they had signed was no longer in place. And this is why I tell my daughter, this is why people hate attorneys, is that they will take you know where you're trying to help them out, they'll weaponize it and use it against you. But mm. we had a situation where somebody they owed on a staffing firm, they called our client and they owed you know, twenty grand in staffing. But as they say, look, we're not going to pay you, and we went ahead and converted your uh, temporaries over to staff hire. So they stole the, in essence, their temporary or their candidate. And then they said, but we'll pay you for the hard invoices in September. If they're out doing all of that, then they're going to be even deeper in debt and being chased by more people in September. And also statistically, if somebody wants to pay in 90 days and they make that first payment 80 percent of the time they'll pay through whether they pay you whether they pay us but if you give them four months before they have to make their first payment you're lucky if you're if 90 percent or 10 percent of the time you're actually going to see that first payment because they lose respect for the debt you know animal i think i think and jerry what do you think i think what he should do is start charging for a uh a seminar on how to do a proper agreement you get it for free. Uh, he gives it away for free. What? You send him an email and he'll send it to you for free. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And also, we have webinars where, uh, if you go, you know, to our uh, YouTube or go to our website. But at our YouTube, uh, my daughter and I do what we call our Monday morning meeting, which is something similar to this, where we talk about whatever case. I'll come he's at it. From tons, a let me just say, I have to wrap up now. But he's got tons of great content, uh, con, uh, content, and 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 lots of it's packaged. Uh, you know, for 60, he's called it a 60-second moment or something like that, and so you don't have to yeah. listen to a lot of uh, irrelevant stuff. He just gets to the point. i got to tell you, it's great. Uh, it, it's really good, and uh, he's unrecognizable, 100, not 100% in some of his earlier ones, <laughs> but now he looks like the Fonz. <laughs> he looks like the Fonz to me. Let's give your your information. You, I don't know. I, I, well, there's tons of questions, and you're a good speaker. I'd love if you, you came back another time, but in the meantime, what are the URLs? What are the domain names? that people can find you at? If you go to uh, staffingdebt.com, S-T-A-F-F-I-N-G-debt-D-E-B-T.com, or backdoorhires.com, that will reach us uh, as well. Uh, Or if you go out and you search Adams, Evans, and Ross, you'll pull up different uh, uh, of our websites because we'll use different microsites for different marketing reasons. But uh, Or you can call me 800-452-5287, extension 6578. Best way to get me, though, is if you go to our website, book a 30-minute free consultation, and it gives you direct access to my calendar for the next two weeks. 
and you know we can discuss what whatever issue that you have. Okay, and that was RecruiterL.com. Just talking. MikeRecruiter.com a little while ago, JerryTheRecruiter.com, and Wilson Cole. Thank you!